welcome to another edition of Navigating Life with Coach Lowe. I am so excited today. I have an amazing friend of mine. Y'all know all my people are amazing to me. So <laughs> you do not have to worry about it, but I will always say that. Um, but she is an amazing woman. And today she is going to talk to us about the root of dysfunction. That is such a powerful thing because at the end of the day, we all have it. But before we go any further and dive deep or any of that, I would like for Terry to share with us, who is Terry? Where is Terry from? What is Terry doing? Tell us all about Terry. <laughs> Thank you so much for that amazing introduction. I feel so humbled and honored to be here with you, being interviewed by you, Coach Lowe, on this amazing podcast. So I feel very humbled and thank you so much. You're such an amazing woman of God and such a great coach. So this is going to be like just an everyday girlfriend conversation that we're going to have. But just to tell you all and your audience a little bit about who I am. My name is Terry D. That's kind of my stage name. My name is Terry Connor. I am an, a published author. I am a relationship coach and I am a speaker and I am also a blogger. But all of this stemmed for who I am and who I was molded to be by God and the gift that he has given to me, it all came from life experiences. It came from my root cause of who I was being molded to be and how I was able to kind of reshape, you know, who I am and also be able to give back my gift. So it was a seamless transition from childhood to teenage all the way to adulthood and so here i am i shared in my book my truth about my truth and who i actually am and i wanted to in turn give back that gift and make it be something that you pay forward to those who are trying to figure out what is the root cause of their dysfunction and how they came to be who they are today so again thank you so much for having me as a guest <laughs> you are welcome but i want to say thank you for being my guest. Uh, we, we, we talked about so much, y'all. We had like a 15-hour call. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but we spent a Sunday afternoon together just really chopping it up and, um, and just talking through some of, you know, life situations. And mm -hmm. I was like, hey, I think that we need to do something. Let's share. And so here mm -hmm. we are. So, <laughs> thank you, girl. Thank you for coming on. But mm -hmm. here, with us, what does the root of dysfunction mean to you? So the root of dysfunction to me comes from generational curses. And we all, you know, if no one knows the generational curses is, it's passed down in our homes. You know, it's passed down from, you say, the root, you know, the person who molded us to be who we are. And so we learn and we mimic those who we see. Mm -hmm. The people who we love to trust are the people who we tend to mimic in our actions. And we have no clue that it is toxic sometimes, that it, it grows into that dysfunction. And the next thing you know, it is a domino effect of how we trust 
how we love, how we think, how we live. And the dysfunction to me means that no matter what we think, we normalize it. We normalize our dysfunction and it doesn't feel dysfunctional. So when we see something that is actual normal, that seems dysfunctional to us because it's our mindset that we are thinking of and things that we have been taught that feel right. Because if someone that we love teaches us something, certainly that's going to feel right. So that's where the dysfunction comes from. It's generational curses. And I just believe that we have the power within us to turn generational curses into generational blessings. But we have to acknowledge the fact that it's something toxic within us that we're normalizing as a dysfunction. Right. And so, mm-hmm. wow, that, that very well said. I, I love the way that you said that because a lot of the time we are not questioning. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I love you, I trust you, and I will follow you. But mm-hmm. I never asked why you do this. Right. I never asked why you think that this is correct. So we'll just start with our parents. You had mm-hmm. shared how your um your your parents were very upfront very forward mm-hmm. loving parents mm-hmm. um and you you talked about how <laughs> had they been alive you would not be having this conversation no i was just like you know what <laughs> it is important sometimes to maintain other people's anonymity you know yeah. you you want to uh leave people their dignity and everything but at some mm-hmm. point we must be willing to share our truth right yes absolutely and and i don't you know and that comes from the love it comes from our loyalty and sometimes we're loyal to a fault so when they say loyal to a fault you really are i remember my dad always said the reason why you get hurt is because you expect people to love you the way you would love them in turn. And when they don't, then your feelings are hurt. And so for me, some of the things that I saw, I talk about the framework. And the framework is how we're shaped, right? So our framework, we're being built and we're being framed to be a certain person and who we are. And that framework comes from the matriarch. So that matriarch has passed down and not because it was conscious Mm -hmm. it was a subconscious thing of passing down things of what stays in this house what goes on in this house stays in that house that is the the biggest lie that could have ever been told and taught to us because you have people that have been abused whether it's mentally whether it's physically whether it's emotionally and then they are taught i can't say this because I was told not to say anything like this, not to tell anything that's going on. And so now the um, victims become the violators, you know, because victors, victims now become violators because they are holding in the pain of what they were taught not to release. Okay. So um, when I think about things that I've been taught, sorry, when I think about things that I've been taught, And um, again, with every resource and with every generation, we learn new things. We are taught different things. And so it's our job for us to say, I'm going, this stops here. 
right. you know, this stops right here with me because this doesn't feel right. So you know how you now come into people and everybody has some sense of dysfunction, right. some sense of toxicity, you know, in their life. And so, but when do you say when? We have the power within us to say when. No is a complete sentence. There is no period. There's no semicolon. There is no but, and, or if. Mm. No is a complete sentence. And we do not owe anybody any explanation when it is disregarding and making us go outside of our character. So when we have to alter our character, love does not require you to compromise your character. Now there is always compromising things we do, but people, you know, love does not hurt people do. Right. So people take advantage of the love that they know you have for them. And so it tends to hurt you more than it does help you. And you're carrying these burdens and it's the internal scars that we carry. Cause see, I can dress all of this up. I can mask all of the pain, but on the inside, the internal scars are bleeding out in every relationship that I have, whether it be a platonic, a friendship, a sistership or a, um, an emotional or intimate relationship, it's bleeding out because it's those triggers. Yeah. Every time something triggers you on the inside, then it definitely exposes your dysfunction. It exposes the toxicity. It's like either you're going to peel, peel, pull the Band-Aid off real fast or you're going to just let it, you know, slowly peel it off and, and you feel every inch of the hair on your arm. You know, if you will, just using that. And yeah, you feel it. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, for me, what I learned, you know, things that I learned and the framework for me was the words and the seeds that were being planted that you didn't know later you were going to act out in your life. You had no clue. So you'll have, and I think we had this conversation, but you'll have, we don't know the seeds we're planting. Words are powerful. Yeah. They are very powerful and they penetrate and they stick. So when we say things to our children, those are things that they, no matter how, how harmless we think they are, Right. They will carry that out in their lives. So when you say things like, I think we talked about a child, if we're talking about a young boy and we're telling them, you know, you date as many women as you want because you're going to be a pimp. You, you know, those kind of things. When they get older, what are they going to say? Especially if it's a mother saying it. My mama told me, don't just date one girl because I'm going to be a pimp. You know what I mean? Or how we talk about women when if you're being told don't sleep with nobody for free get your money up front yeah those are things right there we're teaching almost illegal activity you know what I mean yeah. we're teaching um <laughs> someone to be I guess a pimp if you will quote unquote but not necessarily a pimp getting money but someone that is abusing their power over women having multiple women and thinking that it is not normal to have one woman or if I'm being told to get my money in a sense subconsciously I've been taught to be a prostitute Right. You know, and I'm just, just, if we're going to talk about the truth, let's just talk about the truth. Cause now, and I'll be honest about my truth. 
I that's how I thought. Mm-mm. You want to go to a cash station? Where you, you know, like we can't do this. I need my money. My mama told me to get my money up front because I don't know if you're gonna try to run out on me. And so, in turn, we have to get to know who we are, as and also get the truth of someone else because you don't know. Everybody wasn't raised like you. Right. So we don't know what that because what if they were taught the same dysfunctions? You know how they say being unequally yoked. When people tell me, I remember a gentleman telling me, well, my friends don't go to church and they're equally yoked. Yes, they are equally yoked because unequally, you know what I mean? Like they don't go to church. It doesn't mean necessarily just being a Christian. They're unequally, I mean, they're equally yoked because they have the same toxic mindset and behaviors. And even though they're able to function in that space, it's okay for them because no one really wants to be told this is not normal how you're living right you know so that's something that what? i really want to dive into mm-hmm. when you do correct people when you do mm-hmm. uh say to people you know hey this is not okay oftentimes you get a level of kickback that is so overwhelming just the defensiveness I'm offended Mm -hmm. by the way you approached me and you know, you're judging. So we have all of these, um, I call them scapegoats. So we're Mm -hmm. escaping owning our stuff. You know, we have to learn how to take personal responsibility and Mm. you did that. Let's talk about the time of your life where you got to the end of your rope and you (laughs) Mm -hmm. had to go back to what is God's plan for my life mm-hmm. begin to exactly. learn those things that you had learned so that you could move forward exactly I call it um when the end becomes the beginning and that's what I call it so uh, that sounds you know like counterproductive but it's not so you get to the end of your rope. You know, I'd be like, I'm at the end of my rope. I can't take anymore. So for me, it took, but nothing happens by mistake. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be who I was. I would not be able to operate in my purpose had I not been able to go through those hills and valleys, mm-hmm. learn, because experience is a good teacher. And that is definitely true. So had I not experienced it, I would have just been talking from hearsay. So I had to get to the end. I had to go through it all, the pain, the breakups, the believing that I wasn't enough. Because for me, getting to the end was how I learned to love me was by allowing other people not to. When I realized I was allowing other people not to love me because I taught them that because I didn't love me. I taught them that. So as I got to the end and I was at the end of my rope, it was it. I think I told you I was ready to check out. Like, Mm -hmm. I cannot do this anymore because it's almost like you're living a lie. I dressed up every day, not one strand out of place, you know, always looking the part. But it was masked and dressed up pain. Right. And so once I got to that point and realized exactly who I was and that I was masking the pain, then I... It was one day sitting in the middle of my floor, crying, um, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but I was crying. I had slipped my wrist, and I was ready to go. This was it. I was ready to go. And th- this is probably two times in my life I had been through this, right? And so 
I knew then once, and I saw the faces of my children mm-hmm. looking at me, like, what are we going to do without her? Wow. And, um, I had to go to a hospital, you know, get my stomach pumped and it was all kind of stuff that had been going on with me. Mm-hmm. And I knew that really was my awakening moment. My children looking at their faces and um, saying, you know, what are we going to do without mommy? You know? Right. And I knew then, like, okay, you need to get your life together. Not mm-hmm. only that, there were so many eyes on me from the public mm-hmm. thinking she must have it all together. You know what I mean? Like, right. look at her. You know, I had an amazing job, the whole nine yards, but that meant nothing without having peace within. So then I started to take the steps to unlearn exactly who I had learned to be, who Mm -hmm. the the seeds that had been planted. That means uprooting, digging up everything that had been, but I took it in step. You know, I took it because sometimes when they say it's a process, you know, it is a process. It is progression, not perfection. And so I had to take step by step. How did this start? How did I start to think that I wasn't enough. Who told me that I wasn't enough? Mm-hmm. And I had to go back to the root cause. So I started going backwards and I literally would journal every day and I would write down the steps of how I became who I was. And that's where the framework came. You know, like, oh, okay. Somebody told me that it was okay to date married men because they leave and you, they, you have no commitment to them. You know what I mean? So, okay, that was one thing that I was taught, check. You know, okay, I've seen adultery so much in my life that, oh, you're not supposed to do this? You know what I mean? That's not normal? Okay, check. Let's do that. Because see, a lot of us, we don't want to admit our downfalls. It's easy to judge somebody else because it keeps us from being accountable. But what I had to do was not point the finger. I did write down how I got there, who taught me these lessons. But then I had to start taking accountability for myself. Now that you know better, are you going to do better? You know, are you going to change your behavior and unlearn and get those seeds out and start to plant your own seeds of worth, you know, and who you are of value of morality, you know, are you going to start to live up to that? So I'm like, okay. So as I checked that and I started taking my step, the end became the beginning. So then it's like being rebirthed. So now I have to be, I have to rebirth unlearn, relearn, and then say to myself, what is it that I need to do? I needed to start to say no. No to things and people that didn't serve me. No to myself. You cannot have everything you want just because it's there at your fingertips. You know what I mean? Whether it's him, whether it's a thing, you know, whether it's something in your life that's not going to serve you, you have to learn to say no. So that's when the end became the beginning for me. I made a checklist, but I did not become a victim. You know what I mean? Because it was easy for me to say, oh, but my mama told me that. We lean on what we were taught and we don't want to get past that. Nobody ever loved me enough. Nobody ever did this. Okay, well, if you saw somebody do something wrong and you start to surround yourself around people who are doing things right, that was another step in my beginning becoming my end. When I started to see people live in high morals, live the life that they're actually preaching, because it's easy to have, to say you have a heart for God. But you, but your mind, like they say, God knows my heart. He does. And and if your heart is not right, 
just because he knows your heart don't mean it's right. You know what I mean? So right. he knows whether or not it's right or not. And so you have to say, do I want to be better or am I okay with just living um, lukewarm in mediocrity? And right. am I just, and you know, nothing settles but dust. And I had to realize I was better than dust and I no longer wanted to settle. So once I stopped being a victim and recognizing my triggers, because the triggers were the seeds that had been planted. And every time somebody would say something to me, it sounds so familiar that I did not trust that person. Mm-hmm. You know, everything sounds familiar. Things that I saw, I'm like, oh, they're going to do that to me again. But I had to create a canvas, a clean canvas, because broken crayons still color. Right. And so I had to realize, you know, that who I am is good enough. Right. And everybody, even if they don't know what it is, is how did I get back to the beginning and then work my way back to a better ending? Because you still, God is the author and the finisher of all things, but those chapters, there's always another chapter to add. It doesn't have to be the end. You got to the end of your rope. You got back to the beginning. You stopped being a victim. You became accountable. You recognized exactly why you were loving dysfunctionally, why you were living dysfunctionally. And sometimes you have to separate yourself from the things and the people. It's like if I drink and I drink excessively, and I go get help. I can't go back to the scene of the crime. Right. I have to, again, it's that blank canvas. So that's how I started to work my way back and realize my worth and that I had nothing to defend. I had nothing to prove, but I needed to know who I was, whose I was, and the gift that had been bestowed upon me, and that it all happened to me because I needed to be able to help some other people, you know, they tell us in the Bible about you as senior women, we're supposed to be able to help the next person, you know, and so that helped, you know, the young women. And I knew that that was what I had to accept that. It's hard sometimes when God gives you a gift and it's so clear and you like, this is what you want me to do. You want me to be, you know, all that responsibility on me. I don't, I stand up for that. You know, but <laughs> can I just go over here and collect some money or something? But, you know, so, but at the same time, when I got, when I was able to take those steps of not being a victim, of understanding that I was a blank canvas, understanding that there are more chapters to me that it was not the end Mm -hmm. and the awakening that I had to have and some of um like sometimes things that we've been taught it doesn't make our parents or people that love us wrong it just made them teach us with what they knew and that's why every generation is given more to be able to pass on and stop it and say am I the yoke breaker You know what I mean? Am I going to say that enough is enough and then pass it down and plant better seeds on a fertile ground of blessings and love and light and morality and values and being able to say no to yourself, no to others, and then starting to create a vision board for your life and and celebrating the small wins. Yeah. You know, because it says despise not these small beginnings. Right. And so you have to celebrate those small wins and then go after the things that you want, even if you don't achieve them. 
You cannot do anything without having a vision, you know, write the vision and make it plain. And that's just, you know, it's kind of like how I got from the, from the end to the beginning and start and then just altering the trajectory of my life and where I wanted to go. And I hope that makes sense. It does. It makes a whole lot of sense. You, uh, when we had originally talked, you talked about, mm-hmm. um, your, your end being your beginning, like a rebirth. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that made so much sense to me. And really at the end of the day, new beginnings are necessary for everyone in different seasons not all of us mature or grow or develop Mm -hmm. all at the same pace and that is Mm -hmm. okay however we need to always be in the frame of mind that we are going to make a step forward every day that's to your point Mm -hmm. is progression and not perfection the world would have us to believe that you know, every we can get to that place of perfection on this side of heaven, and mm-hmm. it is a, it is just not possible. It is not possible as long as we are in these earth suits, like my aunt calls them, our <laughs> earthly bodies. We are mm-hmm. in these earth suits. The Bible call them earthen vessels, or whatever yes. it is that we call them. Mm-hmm. We do not have the ability to get it all right on this side of heaven, but we do have the ability to get close as we continue to seek the Lord, as we continue to allow the word of God to change us Mm -hmm. at our pace, at our pace, because we're not always just willing to embrace what the word of God instructs us to do. Right, right. You know, because flesh suit wants what it wants, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like you said, we cannot have what we want. (laughs) Whatever we want it, however we want it. This is not Burger King. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lie, okay? Mm -hmm. That is just inferior. There will, and I am not saying that there will not be times where we can have things our way, but God did not design us to Mm -hmm. always get what it is that we want. If that were the case, we would not have room for growth. Correct. Not, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I I um I remember you sharing something that really stood out. And what you talked about was how the people that we love and trust are often the people that teach us not to love and trust. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I'll just share with you what, what made sense to me. And what that spoke to me is that we love and trust other people, but oftentimes they don't model what it is that would help us to continue to love and trust. Because mm-hmm. it's like, no, you violated you violated mm-hmm. my trust. Mm-hmm. You you abandoned me. You rejected me. You spoke lies over me. You so all of these different things, and you talked about triggers. You know, yes. so touching those wounds, those childhood wounds. You know, you you talked about covering up, masquerading. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. dress up the pain. We dress up the wounds. Mm-hmm. 
and we walk around bleeding out. Yes. We walk around bleeding out. And I'm just so grateful that you had the opportunity to recover from that. But mm -hmm. in the trust and love factor, you talked about how you, you, um, you had an experience where at, uh, um, further along in your years, you learned mm -hmm. that your who you thought was your biological father was not your biological father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you, um, you didn't regret that. I just thought that was mm -hmm. so powerful. I was like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> you know, but you did not feel that way because he loved you as his own. Yes. Despite yes. the fact of the issue of biological bloodline. Mm-hmm. That didn't have anything to do with the way mm -mm. that he loved you, the way that he cared for you, you know. Yes. And so I I just I I applaud that, but help <laughs> us to understand how that thing played out. Because after that, there was a family member that reached out to you, shared that experience with us because I believe a lot of people experience these things mm -hmm. mm -hmm. like they just need to be the first one to tell you something. Right. It's going to harm you. Yes. Well, lo and behold, God had already covered that situation. For yes. You, you know, mm -hmm. so I am so grateful for that, but it was still, it still made you feel some kind of way because it's like, yeah. okay, you supposed to love me and mm -hmm. I could trust you, but you felt like you needed to say this and this really hurts. Right. That people, and I think I share this with you, who were you before the world told you who you were not? Right. You know what I mean? Who were you before? Because there are so many people waiting in line <laughs> to, because what, what, to tear you down. Right. Because they see, and, and, and make no mistake about it, regardless of what eyes they see with, when God has a purpose on your life, people see it and it's hard for them to accept it. So it's easier to try and take you down. And even if that means emotionally or mentally, because then they think it's going to take you off your square. See, what we fail to realize is there's enough for all of us. But what you cannot do is take away my gift. What God has for me is for me. And so I think, right. And I don't, I think the reason why it didn't bother me, it bothered me that, as you said, you love me. You're my bloodline, but you set up to hurt me. Yeah. From another family member that shared it with you for you to hurt me. And so for me, um, I guess it's weird for me to just say it, it just rolled off my back. Because I will tell you, what got me from the end to the beginning was how I saw my father love my mother mm -hmm. and love me and make sure that no matter what man I brought around, they were going to know my father was like, I will hide your body and they'll never find you. <laughs> <laughs> she is not to be played with, you know? Hey. And, you know, he taught me, you know, just how my he treated my mother as if she walked on you know like there was no you know wrong about her you mm -hmm. know they were married for 60 years you talk about becoming the one you know they would tell us well they'll hide our, 
our bodies. What you're not going to do, they never, you know, like you're not going to go against, I could be in another room and my, my father, my mom, my mother, my father be like, did you just say something to my husband? You say something to my wife? I'm like, wait a minute. You know, just was playing. You know, but his love, and that's really what kept guiding me back to the type of person I did not want to be in my life. Now, don't get me wrong. Whew, I made some bad mistakes, but I remember early on in life, always thinking, Mm-mm, you know, that's not what my daddy did. You know what I mean? So it's the love. Like when they say that unconditional love, how our parents love us, even when they don't like us, you know, sometimes, but no matter what I did, I remember sitting, me and my dad watched tennis or everybody see me on social media talk about tennis all the time because that was our thing we did together. I remember him teaching me history and I had to sit and watch the history channel free for hours on time. And then he turned around and did it with my two children. I remember the lessons that he taught me that could never go away. So it's never about blood when it comes to that. That's where the real love, and I'll tell you, my father wasn't a person that went to church every Sunday, but he had a heart for people. He's going to tell you like it is. The people probably thought he was mean, but he was going to tell you like it was. But you see some people, again, that are masking and, and, and going through these traditions of what was taught, but he knew right from wrong. And he, you know what I mean? And he did it and he lived it exemplary, you know? And so that's why you can't, there's nobody that can come along and change or alter that, you know? I mean, my family would always be like, oh my God, they get on my nerves. You know, all the time, my mother be like, she gonna be the death of my husband. You know, she love me because I was the baby of six. So not only was I spoiled by him, but by my other siblings and my brothers and my sisters. And, you know, my brothers called me princess because it was always like, you know, I just, they take, they took my whoopings for me, you know, everything. So just, I mean, my brothers always took my whooping because if I thought about a whooping, I'm under the floor, I'm laid out, you know, like, wait a minute, you know, so. The thought of it, kid. Yes. (laughs) Just thinking about the the love that um a man you know my father's always say they they're not cut from the same cloth and he it was the honest to god truth so it was there was nothing anybody could write me a letter that they could tell me that because it was it was the the real love that you feel and um i don't expect people to live up to my father because that was who he was and who he was taught to be and he really wasn't necessarily taught that it was how he wasn't taught to love that made him say, I want to love my children differently, make sure they know who I am. And so he always made sure, even though I was the last one, so I got so much love, you know, so much, because sometimes they get it wrong a couple of times. So when they get that time to say, okay, I need to do this like this. Uh And to watch somebody love me like that, to protect me, when they say being a protector and a provider, that's who he was. He was a protector and a provider. He was, when they say leader, he led our home. You know, he made sure that we were never hungry. You know, he taught us stuff that right now today we are still using because of the lessons, you know, that he taught us. And he wasn't, he never, I probably am all my life, I got a whooping from my dad one time in my whole life. 
and you thought that that was it. I was going to die. I was all on the floor, just acting a complete fool. And so, but he, I knew he meant business, but it was the love that made me never blink when I learned, you know, the truth. It never made me, I never felt any type of way. I don't know what it feels like not to be a daddy's girl. I don't know what it feels like not to feel that unconditional love. So I, while I don't want anybody to be him, I still want the same level of respect because I know what it feels like to be loved and I know what it feels like not to be loved. So you can't offer me, you know, just half, you know, way, one foot in and one foot out and then say, no, but I love you. You right. know, to me, when they say love is a verb, it really is. If you never tell me you love me, but you do everything to show me, that means so much more than because we use those three words so loosely. Yeah. You know, I would always jump on my daddy and kiss my neck and be like, you love the mommy, you love the mommy. He'd be like, get away from me. It, it was funny where he didn't, he didn't necessarily, he would act like he didn't like it. But that was like our little thing, you know, that we did. And so just the stuff that he taught me, that is invaluable. And I see so many young women missing that, you know, today. And so for me, that is a blind spot for me. Like, why she feel that way? Because of daddy issues, I didn't have that. Yeah. I didn't grow up with that. So there's nothing you can do to make me feel any different. You know, even my mother, like, it was different. Like my, me and my brother, we're three years apart. Well, my brother was the mama's, you know, boy, right. and I was the daddy's daughter, even though we, they loved us the same. We were the last two in the house, but I, you, you could definitely see, you know, the difference with my mom was always protecting my brother and my father was always protecting me, you know, but they would go to, you know, they would go to bat for you, you know, either way, but that's why it never altered me. That's why nobody could write me a letter and tell me anything different or tell me anything because now I see you. You know what I mean? Like, I see you and I'm not mad at you. I'm just disconnecting from you. Like, I'm not mad at you because you don't, you don't get to come into my space and try to change or alter anything. And all that is, is trying to project your own pain and fear onto me and wanting me to live a life of pain or, you know, whatever it is. So what my parents taught me is invaluable. You know what I mean? So um, the love that my dad gave me, I could never, ever, no one in this world, you know, they can't replace it. You know, you can't come in and change that when they have showed you, you right. know, that I love you. And even, you know, he would always say, we would laugh because I have sickle cell. So we would go to the doctor and then he would always be like, you know, I ain't your daddy. I'm like, stop saying that. And, but see, at this point, I'm not knowing, right? But huh? my mother would be like, shut up. You know, stop saying that. And I just thought, you know, but one time he just came, he sat down and told me and we had this conversation and I don't think I ever accepted it. I don't think I ever really accepted it because I didn't feel or see, I didn't see anything different. So, you know, it's not that I'm in denial, but why accept something when blood does not define, you know, it does not define um, the way somebody treats you because you have people all the day that have blood and they are not getting anything that I got, you know, as yeah. a child, as a teenager, as an adult, you know, and that any man that met my father knew and my father and my mother, because they were definitely up front, you know, one, they were one. If they met them, they knew. You know, I think that when women, young women, 
-hmm. when men see young women have the love of their brothers, of their family, of their father, they're least likely to experience more, you know, abuse because they know what it is that could happen to them, you know, if they do. But when they see somebody that's kind of struggling with that, you know, and some people still think they're slick and sometimes women hide things, you know, that'll still happen, you know, but for the most part, that's what that taught me. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because again, I probably would never bring it up because I don't know that it actually affected me. I don't know that it changed anything or altered anything. You know, so for but me, I, that it, I, I believe that it helped you to look at look at the hard motive of humanity, right? Mm -hmm. Not just mm -hmm. in that situation, because what you said was powerful. You said those that we love and trust teach us how to no longer love nor trust, and mm -hmm. that is a very very. It it is um. It. It is, it is, it's such a big statement. Mm -hmm. It's such a big statement because mm -hmm. we, we should be able to trust those that say that yes. they love us. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. but back to what you just said, love being a verb. It's not always about what you talk about. It's not always about the bloodline. Mm -hmm. You cannot be, you can be a stranger, but your actions speak volumes. Absolutely. You know, to the life of another person as it relates to your investment in them. You know, mm -hmm. so that was what you received from mm -hmm. your, your dad, you know. Mm -hmm. But you know, this is one thing I, I did think about do you have any desire now that your father, who you deem as your dad, he is mm -hmm. gone? Have you ever questioned why did mom never tell me while she was here? And who is he? Would you, do you think that you would ever seek that out? No, because I know who he is. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know who he is. I mean, he is since past too, but. I mean, later, you know how when you don't let it bother you, but you know things, you know what I mean? Because if somebody keeps telling you something over and over and over, you know it to be true. And what was funny was everybody knew except for me. Everybody oh. knew except for me. So when I talked about it, everybody was like, how'd she find out? They didn't know that my father and I were having these conversations all the time. We had very intimate conversations. Right. You know, I remember thinking, because for him, I remember I did something one time and all he said to me was, I don't, um, I'm not mad at you, but I am disappointed. I remember him saying that to me and that hurt me so deeply because it was important to have his approval. It yeah. was important because he had taught me stuff, you know, valuable stuff. My father believed in, in doing things right. You know, I mean, when it comes to money, everything, you know, he believed in doing things right. So he said it was disappointing me, but I knew. I knew um, later, I never shared it with anybody. And I gave, I had an event called removing the mask. And that's when I shared my truth because you can't, I can't stand there with this mask on, you know, um, looking the part, but not living the part. You know what I mean? Like I stopped being a relationship coach for a few years until I learned how to nurture healthy relationships. You know, um, I, I don't like when people, because people don't live their truth. So if you say you don't want to be with somebody, oh, you're crazy. You know, at least you have a man. 
at least always comes before something that you have no business doing. You right. know, it always does, <laughs> at least. So that's me. So, you know, what is at least? So at the minimum, you right. have somebody to warm your bed. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So it's always at least you have something. What about I want more? Right. And I'm not going to apologize for right. wanting what I know that my godly father told me that I deserve. You know what I mean? Because now I'm living beneath what I know that I deserve. You know, I'm living beneath that. You know, enlarge your territory. You know, you have to enlarge your territory. And I want him to bless me indeed. And even just recently, I had to start saying, okay, is this okay? Are these relationships I'm involved in, whether it be a friendship or anything, is it okay? I told you about how I went through a really rough spot, you know, and I'm still coming out of it, you know what I mean, in my life, but I had to go through it in order to shed some old skin, to be able to come out of the cocoon, become a butterfly, you know, if you will. I had to no longer be a caterpillar. You know, if I want to pan a bit, the, play in the big leagues, I need to be able to shine bright and not for anybody else. This is not about anybody else. This is for me. When I do things that people think, oh, do you like that? No. So we talk about seeds being planted. Whenever people see me, I always am made up. I always have heels on. Because when I was younger, my mother always made me wear a dress. Always made me look a certain way. You know, <laughs> so I, you know, some people go the opposite way and be like, I'm never wearing that again. Whereas for me, my family talk about me. They'd be like, she's going to show up at the picnic with some heels on. I guarantee you that. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's really, it's who I am, you know? And so when I do things, sometimes I'm mentally, I could be stressing out. And so I have to, I do what makes me feel better. I go to what makes me feel better, but I have learned to become comfortable in doing things differently and knowing that in growth, you evolve. And you become, you know, like I say, a broken crayon still color. So even if I was broke, it didn't mean I couldn't sharpen myself right. and right. continue to color and become, and the colors become vibrant and I'm able to allow my canvas, you know, to fill it in as I go, you right. know? And so for me, um, it was just that, that new beginning for me, um, Coach Lowe was something that, um, no money, no anything could buy. It was invaluable to me how I was able to get there, how I was able to. And then the next thing you know, how you know this was meant for you and how it became very seamless was when God started to place young women in my life mm -hmm. that I mentor. And to this day, how I've seen them just evolve into these amazing women you know, wives and mothers and, and marrying men of God, you know, and watching them. And because even sometimes your mask was able to inspire them to do something. But once you knew that your mask could inspire them, think about how living your actual truth can transform another life and make somebody, because my fear was always failing someone. Nah. because of the gift that was bestowed upon me like I don't want to let anybody down but right. in the interim we learn to nurture and love other people but we're not taught to love ourselves we're always taught to put ourselves last and leftovers after a few days are no longer good 
You know what I mean? Like they're no longer good. So I don't want to be a leftover because I can't give you anything if I don't even know how to love me. Cause now I'm putting a lot of weight on you and wanting you to do for me what I should be able to do for myself. And then those people become our gods. We make a man our God as women. And when he let us down, we blame men for our choices that we make because they, people will tell you exactly who they are, but we choose to make them somebody else because we think we have the power to do that. That could be a family member. Like you said, people, I've told you, people have spoken ill over my life and I stopped them in their tracks. Like you do not get to say that to me. You don't get to, so we have to take control of who we are. You have, you cannot be a victim. Recognize your triggers. Exactly what those triggers are. Don't ignore them because if they continue to bother you, you will regurgitate them in every area. Because once you settle in one area of your life, you're going to settle in every area because we normalize dysfunction and we desensitize the pain because we don't want to be accountable for who we are and who we are not. That is good stuff. That is, <laughs> you know what? That is actually a really good uh, place for us to just transition out because you, mm-hmm. I mean, you hit it, you nailed it. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, you know, originally we had talked about this, um, this being called um, lose to win, you mm-hmm. know, and. I, I understand why you, why you said that, but mm-hmm. you know, when I thought about the plethora of different <laughs> ways and things that were going on at the root of it all was the root of dysfunction. Mm-hmm. You know? So I am just so grateful that you decided to come on and share this story because people really need to know. People mm-hmm. need to know what to do. People need to know that you can't continue to masquerade. People need to know that you don't allow people mm-hmm. to just speak ill will over your life, mm-hmm. death, if you will. If you can't mm-hmm. speak quiet, quiet yourself. We're yes. concerned, please, and thank you. You know, <laughs> so, I mean, really, this is just real talk. <laughs> You know, because people don't realize sometimes the wounds of their words. Mm -hmm. What are you saying? Mm -hmm. What is coming out of your mouth? Mm -hmm. How are you treating people? You know, and for us as believers with our Christian selves, Mm. we want to put everything on Jesus. No, what are you doing? You know, right, because God does not tempt us. Right. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Mm-hmm. We are tempted yeah. by what is on the inside of us. What yes. are we scurrying around, trying mm-hmm. to figure out, trying to feel, trying to be a part of? That's what yes. we're on in by. This earth yes. suit that we were talking about. Yes. You know, the desires of our eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. oh, that look good. You mm. know, <laughs> so, you know, everything that look good ain't good. Mm. You mm. know, something ain't good for you. So, you know, just remembering to nurture us. 
you yes. know, you, you made so many different valuable points, recognizing your triggers. What are mm -hmm. those things that happen relationship after relationship when mm -hmm. people touch it, it sends you in a spiral down? Yes. What yes. are those things? Recognizing those things, journaling. You talked mm -hmm. about so many um, really, really good life tools to mm -hmm. help. In our coaching practices, these are the things that we give people. But when life happens to the coach, you also have to implement those things. You yes. Know? And sometimes you even have to go sit on somebody else's couch mm. or have somebody else telecall conference you. You know what yes. I'm saying? Because we all have blind spots. Yes. You know, yes. we have blind spots to our dysfunction because mm -hmm. back to what you said, we normalize our dysfunction. You yes, know, all I saw was adultery. So what's your problem with it? Right. And you why why are you judging that. me? Right. And a lot of times, you know how, like stay in the church where certain things you can't and can do, then the same people will hide those very sins so that they cannot be the light can be shined on it but they're going to make sure that the light is shined on everything that you do that's why i tell people allow yourself to feel the pain yeah do not the pain is a part of the process yeah and i always tell people no matter the detours just you know i mean no matter the you know that like we have the navigation you know it's rerouting and it's rerouting right. and it's rerouting you know sometimes you know stop Right. Pull, pull to the side and then allow yourself to be rerouted and you know i always say don't take the detour allow yourself to feel the pain because anytime we want to blame somebody they were a part of the process yeah you needed to get you needed to feel that in order to understand exactly your purpose and where you were going and who you are. So allow yourself to feel the pain, but don't become a victim and don't allow the pain to consume you because where you are right now, regardless of how painful it is, is where you're supposed to be because it's going to help navigate you. It won't detour you, but it will help navigate you. You'll be able to punch in your destination of purpose and you'll be able to get there as soon as time permits and no matter, no matter how long you're on the road, you're going to go take the scenic route and don't allow yourself to go down the side roads that will keep you too long on that path of destruction. And your ETA is subject to change. <laughs> <laughs> according to our timing it's all yes. about god's timing god's season mm -hmm. you know so terry thank you thank you thank you so much <laughs> thank um, you for joining us here at navigating life with coach low this has been uh an, an amazing conversation <laughs> around dysfunction because again we all have it thank you for mm -hmm. sharing your story thank you Absolutely. for being so transparent Thank you for being my sister friend. I appreciate <laughs> <Absolutely>. you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to be me. 
you know, and transforming who I am. Um, because even when we're ministering to somebody else, we're always ministering to ourselves. So we always hear the voice within something that may trigger us to change our course and make sure that, you know, we stay on path. So I thank you. Um, this sistership has, is, and I'm going to say has been because it still is unfolding <laughs> and it's amazing. Um, when you say, you know, sis, to me, that means something. You know what I mean? It has to mean something. And what you're doing is amazing. The way that God is using you, your heart is pure and you just, you know, um, it's real. And so I could not think of another podcast that I would want to share or reveal this to. You're only the second place publicly that I've shared this besides at my own event. So um, that to me says a lot. God does not make mistakes. He connected us on a real simple, <laughs> you know, connection. And here we are years later, still connecting and not knowing what lies ahead. So continue to allow God to use you. And um, I'm just happy to be on the journey with you. And thank you. Thank you, babe. Thank you <laughs> so much. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything. And ditto, you do likewise. You continue to allow the Lord to do what he must in you so that you can be the guide, so that you can be the model for many. Mm -hmm moving forward so i love you have a good evening and take care of you Mwah. see you later thank girl. you bye-bye <laughs> good night bye-bye <laughs>